Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for an episode on 24. We're into episode 3 of season 4, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. This first aired on January 10th, 2005. It was written by Evan Katz, directed by Brad Turner. And this episode definitely does take a Turner because <laughs> Jack. He's gonna rob a gas station. My name is Ben and bitch. And my name is Colin, and I can't think of any other quotes to start this episode. So let's just do the obvious. Everybody put your hands up now. <laughs> Don't move. I feel like we should also have Jack yelling at traffic. Move! It's like Jack, you're going the wrong way. They should be the ones yelling at you to move. Um, oh, imagine if there's a helicopter in this episode. <laughs> For God's sake, cars, get off the road. You're going the wrong way. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I've been on a very long buy streak. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I alluded to last week that it's coming to an end. I'm not binning this episode. I'll spoil it now, but it's, it's close to one. There's some good performances, particularly from one actor who I think gets her best episode so far in this show. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm a fan of Jack does anything to get his way. It's the Jack Bow power. But as I said, this season kind of turns it up a bit, and it's like Jack robbing a gas station. Um, I mean, look, I, we've watched him get a pedophile and kill him and chop his head off. We've watched him threaten to shove a towel down someone's throat. You know, we've watched him stage a prison break and steal a prisoner and go to another country and then come back and be fine while his co-worker gets tried for treason for simply saving his wife. But the bit that pisses Ben off is that he has to <laughs> rob a gas station to allow somebody to get satellite coverage for actually no reason. I, I want to start with the Jack stuff this week. I just want to say that now because, like, mm-hmm. like I'm saying this right now. Like, there is no reason. Like, oh, damn it, Chloe. Damn it, we've got to keep him in the gas station. Otherwise, we're not going to So? He's on the road. It's a satellite. They're in space. They're looking everywhere. Like, they're not on just one gas station. Uh, so I'm sorry, uh, Evan Katz. Your writing sucks this week, mate, because this storyline is... And next week's worse. But, like, I just... Yeah, you know. I mean, did you think we'd ever get to the day where only four seasons in, our favourite gas station robbery was going to be in season two. Uh, (laughs) That's where it becomes concerning. Yeah. Uh, And and here's the thing. We've used this analogy several times, a survivor analogy, right? Like, uh, oh, that was the greatest episode ever just because it had a good tribal council. This is kind of the opposite. I'm with like 
right close to the end of the episode, I was just mentioning off air. I was messaging you last night. I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to finish this episode. Like, all right, I got 15 minutes left. I should be good. Five minutes later, I fell asleep. And at that point, I was like, this episode's actually really good. Like, I love this. And then I came to, right, as Jack's screaming and he's got a ski mask on. And I'm like, all right, there's got to be some context to this. This does look stupid, but there's got to be context. Because I completely forgot about this. I think you brought it up last season we were covering. And so I rewatched the last 15 minutes of this episode. And it comes so out of nowhere. Like I'm going to say this is the opposite of this is the greatest tribal council ever. This is a great episode where one dumb, dumb moment that really has nothing to do with the rest of the episode almost ruins it. And I hate to say it because I do love the rest of this episode, but it comes out of nowhere. And I think it also just sort of amplifies the fact that there are issues with Jack this season. Um, three episodes in, I'm really struggling to understand his motives, why he's doing what he's doing, you know, wh- where his character is coming from. And this just sort of really makes it that much worse. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're getting the Jack stuff out of the way because there's not much to it other than him driving, having bad excuses for doing what he's doing, and then robbing a gas station. Three hours ago, he was in bed fucking Audrey. Now he's robbing a gas station. Um <laughs> And I gotta say, I'm a lot of Team Audrey this season. The why she gets pissed off at Jack. Like I love Jack again. Like this is the Jack Bow Power. We love it, but it's just there is a level where every season, and we've talked about this in the past, that it's like, oh, Jack's not at CTU anymore, so let's get him back in the field. Like you know, and it's I get it. TV's got a TV, show's got a show, but like sometimes it's just it's implausible. This guy is literally a advisor or whatever he is, a personal convoy to the Secretary of Defense. And within three hours, he's robbing a gas station because he's going full CTU agent mode. Like, I get it. That's the point. Like, this is never going to leave Jack. This is who Jack Bauer is. Yeah, fuck yeah, America. But, like, I think this is where the real-time format is a problem. Because if Mm. this wasn't in real time and this was just a generic week-to-week show, you don't question this. This is three hours Jack has gone like from waking up next to this beautiful woman, he's happy. He's declaring that he's nearly in love with her to, oh, I get to rob a gas station. Yes, finally, fuck yeah, America. Like it just, it just, oh, yeah. I'm going to say it now. My favorite part about this episode is that he has the ski mask ready. So how many other times has he done this in between seasons? I didn't even think about that. He's got it ready to go. Jack, I mean, you're, you're right. There's not much to Jack this episode. He rings up CTU. Hey, Aaron. Uh, yeah, Roddy's dead. Sorry about that. Lol. Um, it's like, damn it, we had a deal. Oh, you're breaking up. Bye. Uh, ten minutes later, Chloe, Aaron's a bitch. You're going to help me. I don't agree with you, Jack. I don't care. I'm right. Listen to me. Like, I love that exchange when he's like, Chloe, I don't think Aaron's dealing this correctly. But what if she's right, Jack? She's not. I am. Now listen to me. Get yeah. satellites. <laughs> Jack's a, I've, how many times have I said Jack's a bully? Jack's a bully. Yeah. Jack's a bit of a dick this episode. So, oh, yeah. I wrote that in my notes. I'm like, is he supposed to be this much of a dick? Like, I I, I sort of talked last week about how like, I can see the side of what he's saying. Like, let's follow him. And as any 24 viewer knows, Jack, 99% of the time, is actually right. So we know he's right. And, oh, no, CTU are evil. They're just doing their job, although I will complain a lot about Erin this episode. I think she's a terrible boss this week, and I, I'm not with you. I don't think this is a very good episode. I think there's, I, I would be binning this episode if it wasn't maybe for one section, which I think is, is good because uh, there's some other issues I've got at this episode. Anyway, so Jack yelling, Chloe, damn it, get me satellite. Oh, I'm driving. Uh, oh, no, 
terrorist guy is going to go off the road. So Jack follows him. Um, Natalie Portman's ex is getting tortured. Jack's going to let him die because he needs to follow terrorist guy. Oh, Chloe's all like, no, don't, boo-hoo, which I'm not trying to bag out because Chloe is the star of this episode. Um, and basically Jack has a conscious pew, pew, bang. And then it's just like, yeah, Chloe, cool. I'm good. And then he like drives after this guy who just, oh, what a shame. He's got to get gas. And it's a busy time at this, you know, Valencia gas station, wherever the hell they are. And basically it all comes down to the fact that Chloe can't get satellite because she's overworked. (laughs) Like again, this is a massive 24 plot hole. I saw last season, them literally be able to identify a person's shoulder in the back of the car within three seconds. <laughs> now she's in a queue to get satellite coverage. Okay, they've literally got FaceTime in 2005 on their desk, which never appears again in any season of 24, by the <laughs> I way. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> I think you see them on the desk in other seasons, but it's not like, you know, we've got everybody FaceTiming. And Kate Mara next season isn't FaceTiming like Edgar as he's choking to death on Centox nerve gas, spoiler alert. <laughs> But, like, anyway, they're very advanced in technology, but you've got to wait and queue uh, with AAPT, whatever they're called, um, waiting for satellite. So Jack's all like, damn it, Chloe, I need this, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll call back two minutes later. Chloe, am I going to have this in the next one minute or are you just going to not do your job? going to say at least five. Oh, damn it, I'm going to have to take this into my own hands. So, again, my point here is he needs to apparently contain this guy in a gas station in order for Chloe to get satellite. Now, I don't know if I've missed something here, but why? Because like, if this guy doesn't stop in a gas station, he's still chasing him on the road. So why is it important that he has to be maintained in one area to get satellite? Like a satellite's above them. Well, like, yeah, have, like, have I missed something Jack, here? Jack says in this episode, and this is where it's like, it kind of makes sense, but then there's another question you have about it. Cause he says, all right, past this point, it's just wide open road. There's going to be nobody there. He's going to know if I'm following him. So I need the satellite coverage because uh, I can't tail him anymore. But yeah. there's two other plot holes that raises with that. One, if it's wide open road and there's nobody else there, if you get the satellite three minutes later, yeah, you're going to notice the one car on the road that Jack predicted. And then the second part of that is, if there's going to be wide open road and no other cars following him, why are there 150 cars lined up at the gas station? <laughs> They're all going to say, but I mean, this is the thing we see in, I think we even see this in a couple of episodes when this is the smarts of CTU and where they always contradict themselves with their technology, because if all of a sudden they go, okay, we've lost satellite, but according to Google maps, like this guy is in a, I don't know, a compact blah, 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 with a mile range of 400 miles. This is barren desert. There's a facility here. There's a facility. There's eight facilities in that vicinity of that, you know, petrol range. This is where he's going. We see them find, you know, less with more or more with less in other seasons. I get it. Plot's got a plot. They've literally sat down in the writer's room and these opening four episodes and going, right, we're going to get my Jack do something crazy. Last year, prison break. Season before, decapitation. Season before, towel down someone's throat. All right. I know. He's an armed robber. All right. Boom. Like they've just, I just, I swear they've just literally got like a bingo board or maybe they've just got like, they write shit down on like pieces of paper, put in a hat like, all right, okay, Jenkins, what have you got there? All right, what have we got here? Jack robs a gas station. Okay, let's get that in by episode three. I I think one of the other problems I have with this is that um, this as the two night premiere, I think we talked about this after the first episode that 
some things feel odd when you're like, well, they actually had five minutes to wait, not even five minutes to wait, commercial break to wait before they came back. So did they have to go all out? And yes, I know that they're also, you know, basically writing this show for syndication later on and you, know, you want to have cliffhangers, but you don't need such a strong, if you had to make the audience wait to come back, then yeah, maybe you do something like this or you do it at the end of episode four, but it just feels unnecessary at the end of episode three when you have episode four coming five minutes later, but benefit of the doubt when they were filming this, did they actually know that's how that Fox was going to premiere the show? Uh, one thing, and I, I don't think it was on 24. It might've even been in this episode. It could be one of the parts where I was drifting off, but I know I watched something very recently where it was something like this, where we have to find this person, but how are we going to figure it out? And it ultimately comes down to exactly what you're saying. All right. We have a five minute lead or they have a five minute lead on us. They were at this location. The maximum speed they could travel is this. The, the amount of place they could go is here, here, here. We don't see them now that we have satellite coverage and we are, if you had the ability to travel 100 kilometers an hour, let's look at 150 kilometers an hour. <laughs> Some of this implausible. He's not there, backtrack from there. Okay, he turned off one of the, there's still ways to figure this out within minutes. And you only have what, three hours here. Now, if they said we have 30 minutes before this trial begins with Heller, then I get the urgency, but there's, there's not a reason for Jack to do this. And some of the other things that bother me with Jack in this episode, like you mentioned, Aaron, you're breaking up. Like there is no breaking up. That's basically, I hear you, my connection. And he's basically doing the noise with his mouth. Uh, there's no reason for him to do that. You know, he could basically say, listen, I'm making this call. Stop me. Um, and I'm, yes, there are things about Aaron where it's like, she is a bad boss, but Already, they have done a fairly decent job of having her justify her actions on the wrong decisions, because sometimes you make the wrong decision. There's a reason behind it. And that's what happened with Chloe last week. So it bothers me even more that Chloe is helping Jack in this episode because she literally just apologized to Aaron very sincerely. And Chloe is not a sincere person. Very sincerely. You're right, Aaron. I'm sorry. And then five minutes later, she's like, all right, Jack, I'll help you. For what reason? And Chloe's not lowering her voice in any way. Jack. Yeah. I'm just going to do something illegal right here. Yeah. Uh, it's just Chloe helping him. There needs to be more to it. You need to have a reason, maybe have her not agreeing with Aaron, but I love where they go with Chloe at the end of this episode. When we get there, that that's kind of what saves us. Uh, but Jack, it's just, it, where was it their intention to have him just be this guy who's doesn't like the authority and, and is still kind of upset that he was you know overthrown at CTU and kicked out because him saying, well, she's not making the right decisions. It's very like, Hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'm upset about this. She's being bad. Sad Palmer. Yeah. No, I, and that's, and that's weird. Like, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think Jack stays bad this entire season. I think there's some decent stuff they explore with Jack, but I think that, yeah, I, there's a missed opportunity because this is a rare praise. When I say praise for season six, as always, it's the first four episodes of season six. Because if you remember where Jack comes from at the beginning of that, I think what really works with a lot of the beginning of that season is this exploration of Jack doubting himself and doubting yeah. that he can't do what he's trained to do and he's not good. He's, he makes mistakes and he's questioning himself. And if only they could do that with the entire season, we could have had something good. And I think this is where they've got an opportunity. Yeah, like she's, Jack's really like, fuck you, CTU or things like that. Like I liked it, what was it in the first episode when he kind of had that little smirk on his face, you know, when he's like, oh, like I'm back in the game. Like explore that, you know. Yeah. You just go from zero to 100 so quickly 
And it's just like he's fucking well, out. And he's got a balaclava ready to rob a bank. <laughs> well, not a bank. In the glove box. Bank's next. He's got a robbery bag. <laughs> All Everything ready. He robs um, a bank next season. Well, well, and the other thing that I think maybe they were intending to go with or explore here is the idea that it's the connection to Audrey and Heller that's pushing him to be so extreme. But you're going to know better than that. You've already watched this, but I don't think they really go that direction in this season. And if you want to have that make sense, okay, he lost Terry. He had Kim in jeopardy so many times. Now that somebody, somebody, his family, in quotes family this time, uh, is in jeopardy, he's going to these extremes. He's willing to do whatever it takes, even if it doesn't make sense. But they don't go that direction. They don't go hard enough on, you know, maybe Jack is making mistakes. Maybe there was a better way to do this. Maybe Aaron is right on a certain level. Uh, and it also wouldn't make sense if they did want to go that direction, because if this was coming right off of Terry's death or even off of season two, fine. But Kim was in jeopardy in season three and Jack didn't go to these extremes. So it's just, it's hard to believe that if, <laughs> exactly. But it's just hard to believe that if, if Jack was ever going to get pushed to the point where somebody he cared about was in, in such bad shape that he needed to do whatever it took that it would be at this point in his career you yeah, know yeah and then that's why i wish that we had done more with okay well jack is making the wrong calls here and that it is a little bit about being not power hungry but wanting to have his job back and thinking that he shouldn't have been let go in the first place and that's what works so well about season one is because he's desperate because of his family so he's doing these things whereas now it's almost like they've just given him invincibility armor because this is the thing we yeah. we know he's right we know he's doing the thing like it's just there's no question about his ability right now and it's and like the, the audience is just rooting for him to rob a fucking gas station do this do that um i just i just want to talk about the chloe stuff separately because i mean the chloe stuff's really just tied into jack here i mean marilyn dragic amazing in this episode just watching her deal with natalie portman's ex and kind of just you know begging jack and if anything happens to him i'll, I'll never forgive you and her breakdown in the bathroom and like even Chloe being Chloe. Like, I mean, again, as I said a few times this season, she's a completely different character this season. You know, we like her already and it's three, three episodes in, um, but you just feel for her and just even everybody dealing with her and just everything along those lines. So um, you, you kind of almost feel bad for Chloe as well because Jack's just dragging her through the money. <laughs> like Jack's just being a bully. So um, and she's the one who's going to lose her job over this. Yeah. No consequence, Jack. Actually, really quickly, before we talk about Chloe, one other thing I just thought about is, why is Jack not calling his bosses right now? Like, if if he thinks CTU isn't doing the right thing, yeah. his, boss, his bosses point. are basically... Or let's go up the president of the United States yeah. who's already said in this, we're going to get there, but is it basically said, this is our number one priority. Just say CTU is making the wrong call. I need authority. And then they give it to you. Which because Aaron, when she's on the phone to the president says like, Oh, and Jack Bauer, who I believe, you know, is a gone rogue. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure I'm like, I'm sure in the government of America that, you know, the FBI will disagree with the CIA and the CIA will disagree with the DOD and the DOD will disagree mm-hmm. with the, you know, AWF, WWE, oh. whatever the fuck they call. But like it's... <laughs> well, wasn't wasn't that the beginning of season two? That was all the beginning of season two is about. Exactly. All the different departments I mean, every time, you, every time you watch a cop show, they hate the FBI. Every time you watch an FBI show, they never agree with yeah. the cops. Like, I mean, there's always that sort of level oh, of... Oh, those dis- park rangers are the worst. I know, exactly. But like, it's just, it's, they always disagree with each other, right? Like... 
when are we going to have just the, the friendly neighbourhood law enforcement group? Oh, hello, FBI. I'm the NYPD. Lol, aren't you Citizens great? Citizens watch. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, that's that's a solid point. But, I mean, yeah, Marilyn Ratchkov. I mean, and again, this is, like, she's an actress. I'm not saying she's not an actress. She's mainly a comedian. But, like, like I don't, from the brief things I've seen her in outside of 24, she's always in comedies. And yeah. she's been posting a lot of her stand-up routines if you follow her on social media right now. She's a very funny woman. But, like, dramatically in this episode, she's incredible. And I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know if she's done much drama outside of 24, and I don't know how much credit she gets. I, I know she was never nominated for an Emmy or a Golden Globe or anything like that. But, I mean, if you watch this and you didn't know who she was, you're like, wow, this woman's a great actress. And I'm not saying she's not a great actress outside of other things, but it's just she's a comedian who's not mm-hmm. really known for this type of acting, and I think she's amazing in this episode. Yeah, I mean, that, that bathroom breakdown scene, I mean, it's not just such a great scene as far as her acting goes, but it's such an important scene because that is the moment that you turn around on this character. Great. And that's what they, I'm not going to say they were lacking in season three because I don't think they wanted that. I think they wanted a character in season three that the audience kind of, you know, w- were annoyed by, but you really get out of that scene and you don't get it prior to that. You get little moments of her here and there being like, Oh, I've got this and this to do. And you know, uh, I'm not supposed to be talking to you, Jack. And the, the moment with uh, Sarah coming up and is like, why are you snotty to everybody? Not everybody, just you. And then the Edgar moment where he's saying, it's like, no, that's just Chloe. <laughs> like This is the way she is. The audience has just been preconditioned to think, okay, if Chloe is seeming rude or stressed out, it's just her. So you need that moment to be like, no, this is different. Like Chloe is legitimately stressed out. If everything we've seen prior to this is just Chloe being Chloe, she's been pushed too far, but she won't show that to anybody. She will act the same way to Sarah or to Edgar or to Aaron. And for most of this episode, acts that way to Jack. But even when, you know, she's uh, talking to Jack about, about Andrew and everything, you could have done something like you finally start to see like things get to this woman. Yeah. And I remember this being a moment where it's like, okay, I think I'm starting to like this character. And and whether they wanted it just so that you like the character or they wanted it just so that they gave a little bit of depth to the character, like it works. And it's one of the things in this episode that works the best. I I would be completely honest with you. It took me a long time to like Chloe when I used to watch 24. Multiple seasons. I I never got turned around now. I just always remember my first viewing of this show, never liking her for a very long time. But yeah, I definitely agree with you now on this. Like, this is the episode I think that you just you do like, and I, and, you know, just to point out to people, I love Chloe now. Um, but yeah, it's I definitely think this is the episode because again, if you watch this episode and then choose your baby episode of season three, it's different. You know, you think this is a different character, and not just because she yeah. looks different, they've dressed her differently and all that kind of stuff as well as we're, we're sort of mentioned. Um, can we talk about one of the worst characters of this season right now that gets no. introduced? Um, and I'm so sad because I love the actress. I love her so much. And I hate that she's got such a terrible fucking character. Uh, Aisha Taylor, Tyler as Marianne Taylor. Oh, you don't like her. Oh, fuck off. You don't, if you like her, go away. Like she is the worst. Uh, <laughs> she's so bad. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain this, in a second. I hate this story. I love the, I love her. Like she was in Friends, of course. I think she was the only black actor in all of Friends. Um, she was in Nip Tuck for an episode. Uh, the host of Whose Line Is It Anyway? My and favorite show of all time. She is a funny woman. Like, she is known <laughs> for a comedian, basically. Um, so, again, 24 getting a lot of the comedians in to kind of do the serious work. But, like, I mean, again, you've always got these random side plot storylines of drama. And th- there's a point to her, which, again, I think the, the twist with her falls flat. 
Um, but like, I mean, we're going to get like pointless family side drama through Edgar, through Aaron, ugh, uh, Audrey to an extent as well. But, um, yeah, like, I don't know. So basically she rings up Curtis. Hey, Curtis, Jenny from accounting said that you're having a crisis and I've got level five clearance, but you can't get me in. I don't like working with you. Oh, why? Cause we slept together. Basically. Yes. You're a bitch. Well, I'm going to go to Aaron. Bye. Aaron calls Curtis into the office. So, Curtis, um, Marianne called. Yeah, she's a bitch. Yeah, but apparently when you were fucking her, you told her government secrets. She's lying. I don't care. Deal with it. Like, worst (coughs) boss ever. I'm sorry. Like, you are being blackmailed and you are basically like, like, where is the HR department here? I'm sorry. Mental health. Curtis is not comfortable with this. And you're just like, deal with it. Uh, So, Aaron, you suck. Uh, and then in comes Marianne. Sucked in, Curtis. I win, you stupid bitch. And then basically within two seconds, hmm, stuff's going on here. Edgar, I can manipulate you. You're going to help me. You're going to do this. I don't believe what's happening. Do, 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 do. I'm Marianne. Shit character. Don't like her. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of disagree with you. I mean, I, I don't think I watched this when it first aired thinking much of her one way or the other. Um, but the way that they have introduced this character, knowing where this storyline goes, I was kind of interested with the way they introduce her character and the way that she kind of maneuvers her way in here. And I don't want to get too much into it, but there's, there's, there's a way that a character like this can be done right and has been done right before that you can never duplicate again. And there's just little subtle things they do differently with her that when we get closer to that story arc, we could talk about a little bit more. <laughs> where I'm choking all over my appreciation for it. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, and, and I'm not entirely sure where this is going to go. Like we may be two, three weeks from now. And I'm like, yeah, I know this, this wasn't what I thought it was, but I'm just like, Oh, that's actually different. Cause I, I don't know if I've ever looked at this character knowing where it went. And I've rewatched the season before, but normally when I actually tried to dissect, I'm like, Oh, this is different. This is different from what they've done in other seasons. Um, and, and I kind of like just the, the opportunist character. I mean, this is, this is very similar to, uh, I always forget her name, but, uh, the, the, the girl with the brother from season two, the one you, you really, you really hated her. We, neither of us liked her. Oh, Michelle. What? No, well, the the girl that came in with the, the Michelle's the brother, the brother. No, not the brother. The the the, the girl. Oh, what was her name? Oh, yeah, uh, her. Yeah, her. we always forget her name, but but like the way that character was done, where it's like, oh, it's somebody coming in from the outside, and somebody's suspicious of them, but you can tell that there's like there's something up with them. It's just a lot more subtle with what they're doing with Marianne eh. than what you would expect, and. I mean, also, I mean, Aisha Tyler, I mean, like I said, my favorite show of all time. Whose line is it anyway? She's the second host of that. Sad news. Literally this week, uh, they announced that the next season, the, the upcoming season of Whose Line is going to be the last season. And then they're done. Until so, they uh, rebooted in eight years time with Colin yeah. Hilding as the host. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've already put my resume out there. But, uh, but I, this is another example, though, of when you get a comedian in a dramatic show and, and, it's really uh, the guy who played Edgar. I mean, I don't know if I've seen him in anything else before, but he's in Spider Man. Like, has this. Remember, we were Spider Man. Oh, that's too. right. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like they they just hire these unusual actors. Where you're, if you know who they were at the time, I mean, I didn't know who I should tell it was at the time. You'd be like, well, that's an odd choice for a show like Twenty Four. But that's kind of what makes it work, and I think that's one of the reasons why 
I think her character is slightly better than this type of character is because there's just something different about her performance that is not necessarily the greatest character in the world, but it's just, it's different. I think Louis, wasn't Louis Lombardi in The Animal with, um, wasn't he... Oh, he's in the hot. Was chick. he one of the animals? No, I think he was in Colleen. Like Colleen Haskell was he in the animal, but um, no, he was in the hot chick, another Robert Schneider movie. But um, yeah, like I mean, Breaking Bad was known for that, getting comedians and and mm. making like and and I think there's well, Bob Odenkirk, a, 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 well, Brian Cranston. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yeah. I think a lot of people talk about if you can do comedy, you can do drama. Um, yeah, and. I mean, Jim Carrey to me is an amazing dramatic actor and never gets the credit. Robin Williams. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like so many very funny people that you can think about that are, you know, actually really good dramatic actors. Uh, some that aren't. Ashton Kutcher? No. <laughs> Didn't he do. Oh, he was okay in he that tried. Steve Jobs movie. Like, I, I don't yeah, think but that I mean, was as bad nobody as was ever... said it was. No, but nobody nobody finished that movie saying it's like this guy needs an Oscar. Didn't um <laughs> didn't he do like a Zodiac killer movie or some like butterfly? I know that butterfly? The, the butterfly effect, yeah. yeah. But uh, again, it's like people it was more with him, it's more like surprise, like, oh, he's not terrible mm. as a dramatic star, but it's not like anybody was begging for him to do more drama. Adam, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, if you've ever seen oh, yeah. some of their dramatic work, they're fantastic. But anyway, um, but uh, I don't know. Like, if you watch Nip Tuck, uh, she's the woman who can't come. Um, so uh, she basically come where uh, it's a sex reference. Colin, look it up. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, just, just on CTU again. These are where my issues come from because CTU Erin is just oh god. Like the, the woman's stressed. She's yelling at everybody. Oh, we're nowhere. On the phone to the president, who can I just point out, once again, the president, still on a plane. You know the movie Snakes on a Plane? <laughs> this season is just called Keeler on a Plane because literally doesn't leave Air Force One. I don't know where he's flying from. I'm going to say it's somewhere. Maybe the he's moon. Coming, coming from Australia, I think. Um, because like this guy's in the air for like 15 hours this entire season. Um, and he's all like, girl, I'm President Keeler. Although, again, very presidential, <laughs> President Keeler. We just, we don't get a lot of him. Um so Aaron's having a stressful day. So what? how's she going to alleviate some stress? Let's torture the Secretary of Defense's son because his <laughs> results were slightly inconclusive. Um, it's like, uh, I keep calling this a torture season. This is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. I know you were kind of on board with this last week, but they literally go, Aaron, we've got the lie detector test results. Okay. Does he know anything about Secretary, Secretary of Defense's kidnapping? No. Okay, then. Did he tell anyone that the Secretary of Defense was going to be at his house? Inconclusive. That's enough. Torture him. Um, mm. Like, it's like it's so stupid. And I love Curtis when he's all like, oh, this is going to go through your body and you're going to feel whatever. And then if all of a sudden you leave, that's your word against mine because we're the US government, America. And then he's like about to do it. And he's like, oh, no, please, 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 please. And then Curtis is like, no, Aaron. Give it to me in writing. I don't agree with this. You are wrong. But if we turn off the lights and make his senses do a little bit um, weird things, he will be okay. Do it. Okay. <laughs> How long has it been, Mr. Heller? Oh, four hours. It's been 30 minutes. You will talk. Turn the lights off. Like, I don't. Uh, I just needless torture this season. See, it annoys me. Again, I'm going to slightly agree with you, slightly disagree with you. First, I just want to say with the Air Force One stuff, uh, can we pinpoint worst actor of this season so far? The woman? As the, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's she's literally, this is what, 
we can't shut down the internet without disabling yeah. the command and control functions of the government. Two fighters against a Star Destroyer? Like, it's, and it's so I'm, bad. I'm calling bullshit on the fact that all media outlets have agreed not to... Fuck off. All these media outlets are running this 24... Like, I'm sorry. CNN. We have got one of the biggest news stories ever. But wait, like, 9-11 happens. Here we go. We're back to 9-11. Uh, the president has asked you do not air the footage of the... T- oh, well, we're CNN. We're nice. We're, we're, we're a news company. Yeah. We don't need to broadcast the news. Play Fluffy Kittens. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's, And we, we came off of the season where the media was all over everything. Like, that was Palmer's entire story arc is this is going to get out to the media. I mean, that that really something for three seasons was just about Palmer having to handle the media. You know what it he is? He tortured a man in the media just to keep something quiet. You know what it is? The media in 24 land, racist. Don't like a black <laughs> yes. president. They will do it. But when there's a white man in control, oh, we'll listen, Mr. White President. We won't air it. I think it's okay. Media in 24, racist. Um. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the torture thing is very difficult to watch, but they accomplished their goal because, I mean, <sighs> I, I didn't really remember. I, I remembered being annoyed by Richard Heller um, and – the first couple episodes, I continued to be annoyed. We talked about the last two weeks. I was still annoyed by Richard. This makes you feel for him. And I think both you and when I was talking to my brother who watched the season, said the same thing. Like, you get sympathetic towards him. And if that was what they wanted out of this, then, yeah, they really accomplished a goal because I really feel for this guy. And I, I kind of like that the torture they do is something that you wouldn't think about. Like, the, the whole sensory uh, torture. Whereas, like, how long has it been? I don't know, three, four hours. It's been less than 30 minutes. Like, it, it's not so bad that you're, like, I don't know, sticking a needle in somebody's eye, like, Spectre-style torture. Or listening to the Oz it, Network. Or listening to Noel Groves on the Oz Network. You know, it, it's it's just something Or listening to Max different. Dawson. <laughs> how long? It's taken half an hour to break out the sound machine. <laughs> hey, you know, but, it's, uh, it's here. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that as the torture progresses throughout this show, I'm going to get a little bit more annoyed with it. But it gets this worse. is still early. It's still early. So to me, this is like one of those moments where you're watching the show in 2004, 2005, I guess, when this aired. And you're like, whoa, like I've not seen this on network television before. So there's a bit of a novelty to the fact that like this is the first time you're doing something like this. Yeah, and I agree with that because I do remember when 24 got all the criticism for torture. And I remember back in the day going, oh, shut up. It's just, you know, whatever. But, like, this season when I rewatch this, I'm just like, yeah, like, do we need this? Because, like, there are mm. two other characters who are going to get tortured for no reason who basically within two seconds are like, oh, they, they pull an errand. Get over it. Deal with it. Like, it's just, you know, like, it's like oh, come gonna, on. We're going to, yeah, one, one of the characters is going to be their entire story arc. <laughs> They're going to have to be promoted to a series regular to get one story arc. <laughs> Basically, yes. But, um, yeah, and, like, the, the one thing, though, that I, and I talked about this in the first two episodes, which I will praise, and because, again, this is, uh, I would like to get one of the writers on to see if this was the case, because we know this show is generally not mapped out from episode one through to episode 24. The, the line when they do say, like, oh, he told, like, it was inconclusive whether he told someone or not, that's going to come back into it later on. And, like, this is way later on. I think this is, like, within the final three episodes of this season. And, again, if they've written this down and gone, like, we're going to revisit this later on, okay, fair enough. But if this is something that they've gotten to the end of the season, go, well, what if we did this? Like, it, it, it feels like they've planned it either way. So I, I will say that that's clever. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with this. Um... 
I guess um, we've we've only really got Audrey and Hella, which doesn't really much happen, and then we've got the Araz family, right? We're, we're kind of breezing mm-hmm. through this. Um, I mean, Audrey and Adad, nothing really happens here. The, the fact that he's forced to sign the document, uh, she doesn't. She's about to get uh, Kim. It's called Kim. Uh, Audrey. <laughs> um, I mean, in third watch, they literally call her Kim, and the actress is Kim. It was easy to remember who we're talking about here. Um, and Bobby was called Bobby. So <laughs> Kim and Bobby, what are we going to call them? They're real names. Um, so basically, yeah, he, he signs a document for his crimes against humanity. And then he's basically saying that like, look, you know, um, I might die. You might have to, you know, run away, blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's not much to this, but I mean, again, Willem Devane, Kim Raver, amazing. Like that, that scene in the final cut boxes, when you've got like the dip dip before Jack puts on the balaclava, just that shot of Kim Raver, like the way she's like collapses and starts crying. And even, you know, just the way she reacts to uh, her dad when he, like, again, I just, I, I, I can't say enough good things about her. And yes, I'm completely biased because I love this woman to death, but like, and also can I just say over a million followers on Instagram might be our first guest that we've ever had on this show over a million followers. I'm, I'm yet to get there. So, uh, <laughs> just oh, I mean, you, you're yet to be one of her followers, just under a thousand. So, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm getting there, but, um, I, I don't, I don't think Fran Dresser would have over a million on Instagram. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, congratulations, Kim Raver. Anyway, the point is, uh, love her. Love Willem Devane. He's fantastic in this episode as well. They just don't have a whole lot to do, really. But, like, I don't think they need a whole lot to, because this is one of the reasons why I said I was loving this episode. And I don't have that same connection to Kim Raver that you do. I, I know her from 24, and I think that's pretty much it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, well, designated survivor, I guess. Uh, but uh, only in, like, two yeah, episodes she- of that from memory, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm. She's basically just that. This is one of the other things that I don't understand. I mean, she's basically still doing guest spots on TV shows, and I always she, get confused when a, you get. I these think in- she's cast on like Grey's Anatomy. She returned, and I think she's still on it. So yeah. Oh, okay. But like, when you get these actors, where you're like, wow, they should just be a bigger thing, and they make their career off doing guest spots. I can't remember who it was, but there's something I was looking up, not even related to 24 in this past week, and I'm like, how are they still just doing guest spots on TV because they're so good? Uh, it, like her, well, you you expect this out of William Devane. I mean, this is, they brought him on because they needed somebody with a commanding predator. They needed a new Palmer, somebody that just instantly the audience was going to love and root for and get behind. But Kim Raver, who's she? And their scenes together, the most incredible thing about it is that you put this into context that this is three episodes into a new season where you have an entirely new cast. You only have two returning characters, one of which is Jack, who's, you know, kind of erratic. Um, And then the other one is a character that everybody hated in season three. And yet three episodes in, you actually feel a connection to these characters and you feel the stakes and you're invested in a storyline involving them. And it's not easy for TV shows to replace anybody and give them a storyline. In most cases, when you bring new characters into TV shows, the audience resents them for half the season just because they're a new character and they feel like they're being forced down your throat. You know, you you don't want the new character to be the one. I mentioned, you know, that was one of the problems I had with Chase in season three. It's like, well, you're bringing in new Jack. We don't need new Jack. You know, give us some old Jack and make new Jack something different. Make him new only new Chase, swing. you know? Uh. New Jack. <laughs> so like new Coke and old Coke, classic Jack and new ca- <laughs> New Jack and uh, the caffeine-free Jack. That's the great what Chase Jack was. Wars of the 80s. <laughs> Crystal Jack. That, that, that had a Jack off. Um. 
<laughs> the great jack off of season three. Sorry, uh, the, the great jack off of season three. Uh. <laughs> but like, this is these are two brand new characters, and they are separated from Jack for most of the season so far. I mean, so far, two thirds of the season, they have not even been connected to Jack, and they only have a couple scenes. But like, you're invested in this storyline, and I love that the stakes of this are this high without being so over the top. Like we went from the first season where it was just assassination attempt. And then season two, you went full nuclear too quickly. And then even season three, the whole virus is like, well, it's kind of full nuclear, but it's a little bit different. The stakes for this are completely different. It's basically, you want the audience to be invested in some politician that in real life, you would hate this guy. And if you found out they were kidnapped, they're going to execute them. You're like, good. <laughs> I never liked that party anyways. Uh, but you really really are invested in where this storyline is going to go. And the stakes to me feel just as high with this trial, because again, it's something you wouldn't expect to see on network TV. You're going to go this far as to have somebody held at gunpoint and the, the, the video, which we said like, you know, that's a very triggering video, you know? Uh, and you want the audience to really get behind this. It works. Uh, one thing I do love though, with Air Force one is the line where they say, uh, I want everybody at this table to understand this. Nothing takes priority over finding Secretary Heller. Now bookmark that because some other things are going to happen this season that I wonder if it wasn't a TV show where you end one storyline and it, it transition to another, it's going to be like, oh, so uh, there's a problem with the football. No, <laughs> find Heller. <laughs> oh, all right, we got, we got a nuclear threat, nuclear bomb. Oh, Heller is the priority. <laughs> there's, a, there's also like um, a little, the little line there. I think it's a, the guy on the screen is also pretty shit too. And he's just like, we have sequestered every single member of cabinet. Like the secretary of agriculture is like in Wyoming, probably just <laughs> sitting on his fucking, like he's woke up. Like, where's, oof, all right. Uh, ooh, how'd the cowboys do last night? Mr. Secretary, get to your bunker. <laughs> yeah, where's the designated survivor? I hope they're not all <laughs> sequestered together. <laughs> uh, look, before I, I, I just wanted to point something out, but you know, like I think what saves this from a bin for me is Willem Devane, Kim Raver, and Marilyn Rajkov. If we didn't have great performances in, in Tree, and, and we'll get to the Arras stuff. The Arras stuff isn't terrible. Uh, just everything else I'm not a fan of. This is the first time and I think what I've had bought like 10, 12, 13 in a row. Um, I didn't buy, I didn't bin one all last season, did I? So um, it's going to change next week. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Um, but like, uh, yeah, anyway. I wanted to, so I just quickly looked up. Fran Drescher has 822,000 fans on instagram okay fair enough um i was thinking of like who else have we interviewed that's got a big following um malcolm david kelly walt from uh from lost he's pretty popular mkto 89.9 thousand come on people follow walt from lost he's a he's a rapper now um kim raver 1.7 million followers so fran dresser and malcolm david kelly combined and then double them they still don't have Kim Raver. And this is the sad thing for me about this is, is I know why she's so popular in that. It's be, it's the Grey's fans. There's this weird cult around Grey, which it makes yeah. me sad that she's now after, what, 20 years more. Well, when did she leave Third Watch? 2005. So nearly 20 years after Third Watch, nearly, what, 12 years after she was last in 24, that basically I would go out on a limb and say maybe 65, 70% of these fans on her Instagram are because of Grey's Anatomy. And she, the thing that's great about Kim though, is that yeah, she posts all of this 
Grey's Anatomy stuff, but like she will still post like, oh, flashback to 24. Here's me and Kiefer on set. And she still posts third watch stuff as well. Like she still go like, oh, here's me and Eddie on set. Like what an experience. Or like 9-11, she'll post a picture of her like in FDMY gear and stuff like that. So, oh, just it makes me sad yep. that you idiots out there like her because of Grey's Anatomy. She was in the two greatest TV shows of all time and then went on to the worst and you like her because she's on the worst one. Come on. Yeah, uh, I know I wasn't knocking it, but it was sort of mentioning it's like, why does she still just do guest spots on TV shows? But uh, just just look at her filmography here. I completely forgot about this and I actually rewatched it recently. You want to talk about one of the all time great guest spots, uh, the season two premiere of The Practice, where she plays a woman who's being tried for murder, a woman being tried for murder who basically has seduced and slept with her own lawyer into believing that uh, Dylan McDermott to believing that she's innocent, even though she's not. Um, yeah, you get a kick out of her in that episode. You get to see her play a little bit evil, which is fun. She um she wasn't she Ben Stiller's wife in the Night of the Museum franchise, I think. And I think I, I watched, know she was in at least one of them. I think I watched some of that lipstick jungle for a little bit because it was her Brooke Shields and some other oh. pretty famous woman. Um, so yeah, no, first night of the museum movie she was in. Yeah. I never saw lipstick jungle though. Okay, oh. <laughs> I mean, it was like a sex in the city kind of thing. Um, and I was trying to think like, does that make her the most followed 24 actress or actor? Kiefer Ooh. Sutherland only has 277,000. Come on. Kiefer, <laughs> by the way, Kiefer has COVID. I didn't do it. Yeah. It's been, <laughs> it's been like 10 months since I've been in a room with him. Alicia Cuthbert, Alicia Penalf or whatever you say her name is. 699,000. But then it got me thinking there's one actor who I found. It's on 24, 5 million followers. And I, I, I know it. I know it. Sean Aston. It is not Sean Aston. Uh, oh. <laughs> it is because actually- Lord of the Rings fans are going to rival Grays. Anil Kapoor. Who of course? Oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, was uh, the the president of um, uh, the Iranian Arab whatever the fake country was in season yeah. eight goes on to of course be Indian Jack Bauer, um, and has a huge following in India of course. So a country of like a billion people, five million is nothing, but for us in countries where we've got what like thirty million people. So, uh, but I mean, there could be others. I, I haven't gone through every 24 actor here, but I'm assuming no one's going to have more than 5 million people. So Sean Aston and 500, I mean, it's respectable with 536,000. Well, no, That's should, not even anywhere near her. Asha Tyler would probably have a few, wouldn't she? Uh, oh, yeah. 24, Asha Tyler, she, uh, what, what about, um, oh, what's his face? Um, uh, um, Corey Hawkins? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Asha <laughs> Tyler's 446,000. Um, no, I've gone blank in his name. Um, Megan Mullally's husband. Um. Uh, oh yeah. Um. Nick uh, Offerman. Uh, Nick Offerman. Nick yeah. Offerman. He'd have a few, wouldn't he? <laughs> is, there, is there a battle? Um. I'm gonna look it up here. Nick uh, I, I'm trying to look at Jimmy Smith's. It's like a thousand, five thousand. Nick, like Nick Offerman. One point three. One point three million. Oh, so he is he number two then? He'd be well, number three. Or number three. Yeah. Human and Neil. Um. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a few other big names who've been in there. Obviously, we've got. I mean, actually, Leighton Mester. She'd have. She'd have a few. Oh, okay. She's probably up there with Anil. Um, I've got to be one of her followers, surely. Uh, Leighton Mester, 6.1 million. We've got a winner. There we go. It's oh, a winner. Casper. <laughs> it's a winner. How do we not think about that? We were talking about her in this episode. I think she's the obvious one <laughs> to have it. So, um, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, let's get to the Arazas. Um, basically, it all comes down to uh, is that um, Debbie's going to come over and she's going to have some tea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all we really need to talk about, isn't it? Um, uh, 
I want to say though, uh, like, like, yes, you have an Oscar nominee. Like, uh, we're gonna butcher her name. name. Shoray Agadashlu. Yeah, literally just coming off an Oscar nomination when she did this show. And you don't quite see that until there's a very subtle moment where Beruz is like, why'd you bring her over here? And then Beruz has that realization. It's like, oh, my mom's kind of my mom's kind of a godfather here. And she just has this look where she and then she says something that's like nothing can jeopardize this plan where she went from sympathetic mom to evil mother, just like snap of the finger. And she didn't have to go over the top with it. I'm like, that. that's a great acting moment. Yeah. And like the only thing I have an issue with her character is, we, I mean, probably the best thing next week is what will happen with this storyline. But like, you go from that moment to her being this type of character to in a few episodes, just kind of going against that character. So, eh, you know, I'm looking at it from a, from a bigger picture, but yeah, basically with this storyline, it is Baruz is getting slapped by his dad last week. So this week he's all like, Oh mom, like dad's being a dick. And she's like, I will handle it. Calls up dad. So what do we do? You know, handle, handle it. Okay. Late Mister comes over. I do love this little quarrel, quarrel oh, that they have um, <laughs> where basically she's like, Oh, if, you know, your parents think we should sort it out, then I agree. And what, like, Baru says something along the lines of, like, oh, you should stay out of it. She's just like, look, I really don't like it when you say things like that. She turns her head, goes and sits yep. down, and Baru's like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, like, how many times have I had this conversation? <laughs> You're always saying stuff like that. But can I, like, and I'm not just saying this because I like her for a variety of reasons, but, um, like, Lane Mess actually not a bad actress in this episode. Like she, the, the yeah, way she's kind of got it's, that. It's you. You believe her as like that nervous teenager is coming over. Like I mean, again, you're not a normal teenager, so I probably shouldn't ask you this. But like, imagine if like you know Jamie's parents like called you over to talk to you. You're gonna be a bit like, oh hi, Mister and Mrs. Whatever Jamie's last name is. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> shirtless man. Um, and like you'd be like, you'd be like, you know, like rubbing your arm a little bit, bit nervous. Like she, she plays that sort of nervous teen girl character really well. So props to Leighton Mester, 6.1 million followers. I just followed her. So 6.1, whatever we're up to. So I'm actually using it to get close to Adam. Let's be honest. Um, Yeah. Like I think what I don't think I ever would have given her credit for in the first place is that you believe her as a teenager. Like how old was she when she did the show? Uh, She's a year older than me. So 2004. So she'd be seven, 18. Okay, so she, I mean, she was so close, but still you get a lot of 17 or 18 year olds and they don't feel like 17 or 18 year olds when you're watching, yeah. you know, a show. But uh, uh, same thing with um, uh, like Jonathan Aduke, the guy that plays Baruz. Like, I don't know, let me, I'm looking up how old he was here. He was even younger. So he would have been like 16 when he made this. Um, but yet you believe them as teenagers and it is those little things that they do because a lot of real teenagers don't come across like teenagers or they come across like they're too smart you know, to, to actually be a teenager and that, that nervousness. Yeah. I did kind of like that because let's be honest, her character is so poorly written. Like her dialogue is awful. So if, if anything, I, I want to give her props that she's able to pull off this dialogue and not give the worst performance of all time in the history right. of 24. Uh, and the two of them together, I'm not going to say it's chemistry, but, but it, it is that I kind of that awkwardness. Well, but it's, it's a different type of chemistry. You know, it's, it's yeah. an awkwardness where you feel like they're even a little bit awkward together that yeah i i do think that they're both quite decent and and it's nice that you have these teenagers on 24 and it's not people like i'm not knocking them but it's not kim and janet you know it, it's teenagers I... who but like kim and janet they were not they were not teenagers Shit, you know they were great <laughs> but, but my was. problem is is that, 
they were exactly what I said. The problem is you get these teenagers like you're too smart to be a teenager. You know, you're too confident to be a teenager. Most teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Most teenagers <laughs> are going to be very awkward and stumble on their words and make stupid decisions and not really know what to say and be kind of timid. And they, they both kind of nail that. And it's just it's just different and it's refreshing. It's kind of like I was saying with Mary Ann's character. You expect you're going to get one thing when you have this type of character on a show and then you get something different. I agree. And I think what, yeah. And I think that's what saves Deb. Like Debbie's a pain in the ass of the character. We've talked about it, but I think that she's not like Kyle levels of shit and like Marianne levels of shit and (laughs) future characters who are going to come in season six in particular levels of shit. Like, like she's meant to be that way. And yeah. Leighton Mester, like, I think we've touched on it, like, she's never going to win an Oscar, but, like, she's still, like, she fits that mould of if you're watching the OC. Like, again, I never watched whatever she was in, One Tree Hill or whatever it was, um, because to me it was just a poor man's The OC. So I'm like, oh, that's not going to be the good, as good as The OC. <laughs> Was it was it she in the hills or One Tree Hill or one of those fucking ones? Whatever she was in. Yeah, I was one of those WB shows. You yeah. know those ones. Nothing beats the OC, right? So like I'm not gonna give them a try. But like the thing with the OC is that like, you know, Benjamin McKenzie, Adam Brody, Rachel Bilson, Misha Barton, like they're great actors in that type of show. And actually that's a di- disrespectful to Benjamin McKenzie. He's been great in other things that I've seen. He's great in golf and awesome. he was great in Southland. Uh, Adam yeah. Brody was pretty good in what did I see? Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. Um. He was in something else too. I feel wasn't he in like? Yeah. yeah he he was he was playing like uh, I I remember seeing him. Something, I'm not gonna say bad guy, but like as a really obnoxious. Yeah. Character. Was he in the Social Network? Something something like that. He was like a douchey something rather. Yeah. I've seen. Anyway. Um. Misha Barton. She was in the Sixth Sense, wasn't she? <laughs> She's still kicking. <laughs> and Rachel Bilson was in that weird show with Eddie Cibrian. Where it was just like you know, interesting, but it was just like two hot people solving crimes. It's good enough for me. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I listened to Andy Richter's podcast, like he's Conan O'Brien's co-host, and Rachel Bilson was on there. Do you know she has her own? She apparently has multiple podcasts of her own. And I'm like, I can't find them anywhere. Yeah, she does because that's when she was talking about um, the guy's dong, right? Yeah, what's his face? <laughs> is um, I've gone blank on his name, but yeah, because on her podcast, she she had some other famous Bill host. Hader. Bill Hader, thank you. Uh, was that Jamie going so well? Was that Jamie like, <laughs> hey, it's got a big dog. <laughs> Casper. Hello, Casper. Casper, do you need to be down here? Casper. Yeah. What do you think, Casper? It's a winner. <laughs> it is a winner, yes. I, I, let, put, why don't you put down the weights, okay? Put down you know, the you gave us, you, I, I, I don't want to air all of Casper's dirty laundry, but Casper's kind of on house arrest right now from yeah. his school because they... They they basically had a bit of a scare with him. Uh, now you don't need to jump on the treadmill either. I'm he's gonna... very scary the way he's hiding behind you. Casper, give us five minutes. We've nearly gotten through this without any edits. Yes, like five <laughs> minutes. Go upstairs. Why don't you go upstairs, Casper? Come on, Casper. We'll get you some juice. Okay. Look, look, I'll throw you a bear. Look, can I throw you this? Like like fetch. Uh, hey, look, there's a there's a bear, and it's not a koala because that's not a bear. Exactly. Um, look, Casper. Go bear. upstairs. Oh, now you see it. Yeah, bear, look, bear, bear. See? Go upstairs, okay? Ben wants you to go upstairs. This is how I lure children. Stop grabbing children. your junk. If you have to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. <laughs> Stop grabbing it. <laughs> you found Superman, okay? You found right, Superman. Don't tell Lex Luthor. Um, All right. Yeah, okay. I, I need you to go now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most friendly Canadian about, father. What do you think about Debbie and Beirut? Good a couple. Winner. <laughs> it's a winner, yeah. Oh, he's stolen something. <laughs> 
He's gotten something. I don't know what you have there, but I don't think you should have it. I actually just want to point uh, out, at the time of us recording this, we're going to be recording a, an interview tomorrow with some uh, of Colin's maybe uh, favourite people on the planet. And I, I'm trying to see, are the pictures of them behind you there, Colin, or have you moved them subtly? From- I think I think Casper blocked the, the Furlough Point sisters here. Right. Um, <laughs> he put a picture of himself in front of Shall it. Shall we wrap this up while he's in the room, just so we can go Let's through Let's wrap this? this up while Casper and we'll get his thoughts. All right. Um, anything else to add on the Araz family? We've got them drinking tea. No. Debbie's over. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> the tri- <laughs> this is fun. Uh, the, the trivia, <laughs> the only trivia I've got of this. Uh, it is yes, I agree, Casper. You you can read this out. Um, Cherie Agda, the the lady that we were just talking Agadashlu. about. Agadashlu. Thank you. Uh, apparently said in many interviews that she had previously refused to take on the role of a terrorist because it was too stereotypical. However, the producers wanted her for the part of Dina Raz so badly that they held several meetings with her and persuaded her to sign on as a cast member. Agadashlu made an exception because she felt Dina was a woman with many faces. As the season unfolded, many fans happily agreed with her. I'm glad that they happily agreed with her. They were just like, oh, we're fans and we happily agree with her. Um, don't know where else I was You hear the with. ringing? I'm trying to call Jamie yeah. to wake up. <laughs> Colin's just like, well, fuck, fuck. We're going to leave her a voicemail? <laughs> She's dreaming of Bill Hader's dong or something like that. <laughs> Um, so what are you doing with this episode? Colin? Only we had video. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to rent it. It's, uh, it's not quite good enough for a buy, but it, 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 I still think it's a stronger episode than you. Yes, he is downstairs. So why did you go upstairs? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a slightly better episode than you're giving me a credit for. Um, I don't know if I, I'm curious for a second. Were your thoughts on this episode different before you rewatched it the first time and knew that he robbed a gas station? I couldn't remember. I like I I honestly when it was airing the first time I don't think I hated the robbing the gas station because again I'm watching it as like a 17 18 year old and Jack Bauer is amazing and you know great and like again but I mean like a month or two ago when you oh, did your Oh no 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 this is this is uh, basically all my viewpoints on what where I've ranked things I like I doubt I'm going to change any of my rankings and my things. Um, so I've, I've rated this as a rent. I, at the time of right now, I've got this at 66, which is the third lowest rent. This is only three spots ahead of a bin for me, according to my list. Um, so my opinion didn't change on this rewatch from when I watched it like a month or two Mm -hmm. ago. So if that's what you're, you're asking. So where do you have Um, this ranked? I, I will tell you when I can finally pull my rankings off. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Colin. Um, but I, I, I'm going to say it's slightly higher than 63rd. Okay. Well, uh, this is, um, I've got this just above episode 12 of season two and just below episode eight of season three. So there you go. Um, I've already spoiled what I'm doing with next week. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically we've got a whole episode next week of Jack in a gas station holding it up and, Spoiler alert, he's going to get away with it. Uh, I'll read the synopsis. Jack robs a store to buy time for Chloe to steal a live satellite feed to follow the only lead in the abduction of Secretary of Defense Chance Heller. Baruza Raz is ordered. I won't read the rest of that. Uh, Aaron Driscoll is presented with problems at home. Oh, God, she's in it. That's another reason why I don't like next week's episode because Aaron's daughter comes into it. Yay. Oh, no. Already? Yeah, right. Family dramas. I thought next week, too, was the first time we got Imhotep, but it might be the week after. So uh, we don't get him. Uh, Vazlu. I'm on Vazlu. Not yet. He's very soon. Uh, Have you watched next yeah. week yet? No, I haven't. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm not excited about Aaron's daughter. Um, I am excited when we do get Arnold Vosloo. Uh Is he the week after? Surely he's he's around the corner. 
Arnold Vosloo. Maybe he's two weeks away. Anyway, um, stay tuned for Arnold Vosloo Oz. Arnold Vosloo Arnold Oz Oz Vosloo. No, no. Oh, Arnold Osloo. <laughs> Arnold Osloo. Coming soon to our Patreon, which I know we're a month behind, but don't worry, our one Patreon isn't crying out for it. So uh you'll you'll get it you'll get your five dollars worth eventually. Um stay tuned though to our channels. Lost is basically over with. Uh we do have uh two episodes. To go, uh, this week you are going to hear our Season 6 recap and then next week the entire series recap. So we've only got two more of Lost to go and, of course, The Last Light. Sure, we'll eventually watch it. I, um. <laughs> I also shouldn't be surprised when I went to go download. to. I, I haven't bothered to listen to Season 6 because, to be honest, who cares about Season 6? But I'm like, I got to listen to the finale. Three hours and 19 minutes, if my math is right, Yeah, for I, the finale. It might be our longest TV episode we've ever done. Uh, which I'm guaranteed, yeah. I I am proud of that fact because um, Noah and I, if you if you like the finale of Lost, uh, we defend the absolute crap out of it because we are both big advocates for the finale of Lost. I don't, I don't see. I, here's the thing: I don't hate it. This is probably better for Patreon. We could wrap up Lost with somebody who wasn't in Lost coverage. I don't hate the finale of Lost. I don't have the same problems that the most people do. I I just I feel like season six was unnecessary. So what else were you going to do with the finale? I listen to the episode and you can hear our thoughts on it uh, and our season six <laughs> so recap uh, this week. So such an amazing race, Rocky and all that are doing yeah. that. You've got some stuff planned with Rocky potentially um, coming up as well. And I believe Black, Black Pan- Panther's out. Yeah, I was about to say, is that out at the moment? So uh, mm-hmm. I find five minutes to watch it. Um, I did. <laughs> if you have two hours and 41 minutes, because oh, it's that long. Off. I, 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 again, I've avoided reviews. I don't know what it's, what it's getting rated, but I did see uh, one tweet I saw was um, uh, Wakanda Forever is officially now the highest rated MCU movie since Thor, Love and Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> like, solid, solid review. Uh, and this, I'm, did I see a trailer for a uh, Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds Christmas movie? I didn't actually watch it, but I just oh, saw I it come up that. on my Twitter. That looked interesting from what I could see of it. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of avoided... I wanted to go into Wakanda Forever not knowing much about it. I watched the teaser trailer, but I didn't watch like the full trailer when it came out. I've just sort of seen what it's Rotten Tomatoes rating is. I saw the running time and got hesitant, but I mean, I'm on vacation um, at the end of today in about uh, 11 hours. I'm on vacation. So I'm going to go see it by myself. And if you don't end up seeing the movie, I'll do a review by myself. Cause I'm just very, I'm very curious about how you can pull off a black Panther movie without black Panther. I will see it. Don't worry. I'm keeping my streak alive. And speaking of pulling off tomorrow, we're interviewing the deferla point sisters and Colin is very yes. excited to be by himself <laughs> for an hour in that one. Uh, if nobody knows what, are you not on it? I, I am on it. Don't worry. I'm on it. Oh, okay. Me. I thought you said by myself for an hour. Well, I meant pulling off whatever. I'm not doing you for that. It's not going to end until next year, but um, if nobody I'm knows, not under, if you're making sex jokes, I'm not going to understand it. <laughs> I, if anybody doesn't know, like if Colin had like his five, like his cheat list, I'm assuming all three of the deferral points pieces are on that. So three out of the five are on that. Am I correct in saying that all three of them or just like... Jamie just opened the door. I think she heard me say something about the deferral of point sisters. He's like, what are you saying, Colin? Like, <laughs> Colin talks about anything attractive. He's like, Colin! And yet if she does, it's just like natural. So anyway, uh, plugging shows that aren't going to air until next year. So anyway. And aren't even this podcast. Exactly. But off the podium, our award-winning podcast, but only once because they've scrapped the award <laughs> category. Um... <laughs> Also, by the way, Australian Podcast Awards, we didn't get nominated, so no surprise there. Uh, I, I blame uh, Max Dawson. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week. 
Uh, my name is Ben, and I've. What else is there in this episode? Um, deal with it. Uh, and my name is Colin, and Ben just used the last quote uh, Bill Hader's Dong. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)